Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports, and brought to you all football season long by the good folks over at Thorium Wealth. Check them out online, ThoriumWealth.com, for more information, full disclosures, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, Wealth.com. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of the aforementioned website. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. We are going to do nothing but talk UVA basketball. Not really. Uh, we are going to talk about it at some point. But first, there's a, uh, a huge game Saturday night in Charlotte. Virginia makes its first ACC championship game. Um, we're going to primarily devote most of the show uh, to talking about that. And um, I kind of feel like this is going to basically be us trying to make sure that Ferber doesn't talk about UVA getting blown out because um, the realism is real. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is back on the program. Have you recovered from uh, that battle of makers yet? <laughs> I, I, I think so. My voice maybe hasn't, but I have. Um, that and you referred to me as fan of the Coastal Division champion <laughs> UVA Cavaliers, David Spence, for now on. Who days on the board at Who days on Twitter? And uh, the aforementioned uh, Justin Ferber up in Reston is also on this year program. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Uh, that makers is kind of spicy. Not gonna lie, uh, wasn't as smooth as I was hoping, but uh, it did the trick. State champs, by the way, too. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. That's true. UVA went four and zero against the Commonwealth uh, this year. So if there was a trophy for that, you can bring that to the MQ Center as well. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and VCU fans uh, bickering back and forth in my mentions. Um, all right, so. We we we've had the the podcast that talks about the tech game, but I can't I can't imagine we're gonna go a whole show from now until whenever <laughs> not talking about that game. Um, I've now rewatched it. Uh, I, I'm sure you guys. I'm, I'm sure Dave has. I don't know about Ferber, but um, I have rewatched. Okay, so I guess now as we've we've now had the benefit of of time, we're not in a parking lot um, <laughs> handing a microphone or handing a recorder back and forth. Or I guess in the case maybe me putting the recorder in people's faces. What what stands out the most to you guys? Ferber, we'll start with you. What stands out as you rewatch that thing? What what I don't want to say lesson, but like what was your biggest takeaway from watching the thing unfold? Yeah, I mean, I think in the aftermath podcast, it just you forget about a bunch of little plays that needed to happen for them to win. Um, I, obviously we talked about the big ones, Delaney's field goal, the, the, the streak of sacks at the end and, and all those plays in between, but there was just so many, you know, pass plays and different things like that in the second half specifically that, that made the difference. And, and you realize when you go back and rewatch it, it's like, man, if this had gone differently, this game could have ended up differently. Or if these two plays had gone differently, maybe UVA doesn't even trail or, you know, who knows? But, um, yeah, I mean, I just I was kind of caught up rewatching it about like you forget how many big plays happen in this game and um, especially I mean the first the second quarter on the rewatch was basically a waste of time because <laughs> like nothing happened. Um, I mean, obviously there were some plays that are memorable like Joey Blunt's non-interception and a few other things that happened in the second quarter. I think the Alonzo fumble recovery was in the second quarter. Uh, but I mean, it, it just like, it, it kind of went by without anything happening. And then the third quarter, it was just chaos. And you forget, I mean, I think in the afterglow of the win, you forget, um, how it felt when tech had retaken the lead and it really did. I mean, even on the rewatch, I was like, man, they have complete control of this game. Um, but I mean, my takeaway really is just more of the same, which is that it was just a really good game. I mean, obviously there were some turnovers, uh, and, and pro- maybe not the cleanest game ever played, but 
it was just a, a competitive game, and I think mm-hmm. each team did a good job of adjusting to one another and, and adjusting back on the adjustments, and uh, really just a well-played game uh, both ways. I mean, UVA definitely, I think, was the better team. You know, they didn't turn the ball over as much, and I think they played a, a overall just a little better than Tech did, but, I mean, really, it was it was pretty back and forth, and um, I think it could have gone either way if a few things had gone differently, but UVA got the breaks they needed this year and made their own luck with some with some pressure and, and got it done but yeah i mean my takeaways are just it was just a really impressive win and uh one that i don't think many people will forget anytime soon um i want to jump in here and, and talk a little bit about ferber because it, it, for folks who i don't know if, how much i've talked about this on the podcast but sitting next to ferber in a, at a game is is interesting because like ferber is very rarely like i'm emotional right i i watch the thing and i you know i'm talking to the you know about the refs or to the guy doing whatever and Ferber is the exact opposite. Like my dude just sits there and reacts in very like measured ways. That third quarter, when when Tech started to kind of dominate, he was like, "Look, we've seen this. Like this is yep. Here we go. This is exactly you know." And like usually though, usually these things when when Ferber starts talking like that, the the the, the the die is getting ready to, you know, it's like in the process of being yeah. cast, you know what I mean? Like, and, and then it just, it just flipped on the replay. Flipped, like, you know? and then I was like, okay, I mean, they've kind of shown that they can get, move the ball and score. Once I got it to 20 to 20, I was like, okay, I didn't know that it was going to end up in the high thirties, but then I kind of felt like, all right, if they can get a stop here, you know, they're not out of it. But yeah, for a while there, it just, I was honestly, I mean, the offense was really clunky, but I was almost more concerned with how the defense, it seemed like Tech had just made adjustments on the defense and they were able to kind of get what they wanted after getting really nothing early in the game. Um, And you add the 15-year winning streak to that and it just seemed yeah. like, it just seemed like we were heading in a direction that we have often gone. Um, it, It's funny though, because that Joe Reed play, Rewatching it, like that was the thing that put the juice back in in the stadium. It was the it was the thing that gave him some confidence. The, everything about Virginia was different after that play, right? Like from the from the sideline to the players on the field to like everybody watching it. Like you can just you can even on replay you can sort of feel the anxiety in the stadium sort of evaporate. Now, what's crazy is the tech responds, right? It's not like Virginia, you know hit the gas and that was it. I mean like they you know there was a lot of nip and tuck back and forth. Dave, as you watch this thing again, I god, how many times have you watched it, Dave? Have you watched it like twice? Do you watch it I every mean, morning when you wake watched, up? I, <laughs> I've watched highlights probably 20 times this week, but the entire game I've watched once and then I've watched the condensed like twice. Okay. So, yeah. so a lot. So you've watched it enough to 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 have some firm stuff. What 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 really stands out to you? I mean, are you yeah, able? I mean, are you even? Are you even able to like watch the thing without kind of connecting it with how you felt in this moment and in that moment and this moment? You know what I mean? Like how 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 like kind of separated from that emotion are you even now? I mean, honestly, Ferber said a little bit, but the strangest thing to me on the like, I mean, obviously, I watched the highlights before I got a chance to sit down and watch the entire game. I felt like watching the when I the first time I watched the entire rewatch i felt like i didn't realize how much virginia overcame on game day and maybe that's the emotion of the game and the big lead early and fighting and and being there and only being down a touchdown but maybe i did but i just denied it kind of got lost in all the emotion watching it back like you guys said it like tech did so many things they've done over the years that we've never that we haven't been able to recover from and we just kept coming back from it 
um, from giving up, you know, the 14, you know, uh, two touchdowns in the first half, 13, six at half, giving up that lead quickly in the second half, um, going down 20 to 13. And then, you know, the big play to Joe and then the Billy Kip touchdown and then right away, giving up seven and going right back down. Um, and then coming to tie it up and then getting the ball with a chance to take the lead. Um, Wait, no, it was 30 to 27, right? Um, we got it back in. Yeah, so, I mean, like, Tech walk. Tech got that Trey Turner touchdown. UVA answered that. And then Tech drove down again and yeah, got a field goal. field goal. Um, and then we got the ball and had the huge play to Dubois inside the 10 first and goal, like, the nine-yard line. And then we failed to score and had to settle for a field goal, which, you know, and that has always been our kiss of death. And then somehow Tech moved it pretty easy to, you know, like our 40 and then, you know, to midfield. And then we, we got the interception. That play was huge. It felt huge at the time. But yeah. The two penalties much. right before that were, yeah, were really starts, what yeah. set it up, though. I mean, like, they, yeah. that knocked them. And I think it was, like, third and 17 or something. So you kind of had to force one. Um, and, I mean, the, the only difference that really made, if that had gone incomplete, is, is field position, which obviously was huge for UVA with considering how much time is left in the game. Yeah. And then, you know, so, you know, having to settle for a field goal, then getting the ball, you know, stopping them again and getting the chance to – to take a drive to take the lead. And um, I mean, I think one of the biggest plays, and I didn't realize it live, was on that third down play uh, right before the field goal. We called a timeout. And I think that was super smart because I, I think if you hadn't, the guys, you know, everyone's maybe not on the same page and they're trying to get a first down and you probably end up having to punt. Um, maybe you get lucky you get the first down with this third and long. So I think they got their act together. Like, let's get how, how many yards we need to get to get a first down you know, to get in field goal range. Um, and Kelly made a heck of a play there. He, he probably picked up another two or three yards. Yeah. It was a second catch. effort for sure. Um, and then Delaney just smoked that thing. Like, yeah. That thing would have I mean, been I'll good for you. six or seven yeah. extra yards, you know, yeah. and live, stadium, I was, I, I disagreed it. with it live. I was like, they need to try to get to the sticks. I even said so at the time to Brad, I was like, I think they need to try to pick this up because otherwise you're kicking a long field goal, which is probably a 50, 50 proposition. And yeah, if you and don't make that, it, yeah. they're at the 40 yeah. with a minute and a half to go and all their timeouts. So I was like, that's just setting them up for success if you don't get it. Um, but I guess, I, I mean, Delaney has definitely improved. And I think that they kind of have realized that his range is, is longer than it was last year. I mean, he made a 49-yarder earlier in the season. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say that they got lucky on that. But it was one of those things where I was like, this could easily not work. Yeah, easily. Um and then, you know, obviously the, the defense just being so aggressive on that last drive. Um, it's it's crazy. I think I told I think I might have mentioned the last podcast, but the, I mean that strip sack fumble was just crazy, man. Um, even on the rewatch, like there's so many different angles of that play available on YouTube and Twitter and all that stuff. Like it just kind of confirmed how loud that moment was and how special it was. And you know, Mandy had that defensive line was so good the entire game. Um, and, and the thing I noticed the most on the rewatch uh, was, and it's something that didn't hit me even until the last couple of days, um, was remember that there used to be such a huge deficit in the physicality and the speed Virginia Tech. Like, if they ever got to the outside of our defense, we couldn't catch them, right? Or if they got, you know, got through the middle quick, their running backs would take off and we couldn't mm-hmm. catch them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like third and third and short felt impossible. You exactly. know, it's like, you're not getting it, <laughs> you know, like stuff yeah. like that. But on Saturday, I mean, on Friday, like honestly, 
I mean, tech showed I mean, tech played well considering where they were at the beginning of the year and considering how they started that game. But I think toe to toe from a physical standpoint, standpoint, UVA is right there. Um, and from a speed standpoint, I think if anything, Virginia has probably more speed on defense. Maybe not at the wide receiver spot with with Turner and um, uh, who's who's who am I forgetting? Hazelton. Who really had a? I mean, that was another on the rewatch. He was like tremendous. Yeah, he was like, really good. And so yeah. was Turner. I mean, they they were and Tech played a really good game. So it's not like they they gave it to Virginia. I mean, yeah. Virginia went out and earned that win. Um, yeah. so, I think yeah. that was one of my takeaways going back and rewatching it. I was like, damn, Tech actually played really well. <laughs> like in the second half, yeah, especially. Sure. Like, I mean, it kind of didn't go. The, the turnover, the the pick, I think actually was a bigger play than I realized at the at the time. I was like, oh, okay, like that that's a huge I mean, it ends their drive. So now UVA has the ball tied. But at the time I was like, maybe they can go down and get a field goal at the end of the game, try to get one long drive, or worst case scenario probably goes to overtime. Um but like that I mean you forget like the game was tied. It wasn't like tech was already behind. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I just wanted to give a shot. Look, I looked at the numbers the pro football folk, and I'm, I'm not saying that that's the end-all, be-all, but that dude played, like, 70 plays, and, like, 39 of them he played as the slot DB, which yeah. is bananas. It's bananas. Now, that's a thing that they probably shouldn't try to do again against Clemson, which we'll get to <laughs> in a minute, but, like, the fact that he was able – like, that play is – I mean, like, his instincts, he reroutes the receiver, he, he you know, he, he, he feels the depth, he turns, he finds the ball. I mean – you in if of all the people that could have been in that spot to to pick off that pass right of the of your DBs right maybe he's a guy that you 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 guys might think I would think that you would want any of the other defensive backs to be the dude in that spot and I mean he nailed it I mean yeah I mean I think I don't know if anybody else could have done it just because he's so big that yeah, I think so he kind of baited well he baited Hooker into the throw because I think he discounted him he was like I'll just throw it over him. Well, and he course. was like, oh, I mean, he's I'm not huge. used to having a six foot yeah, five, yeah. you know, dude in, in, in space like that. Yeah. So I think that's what honestly made the play happen is he just kind of you can kind of look at the throw and it looks like he's trying to put touch on it yeah. to get to the sticks. And it's like he just he put too much touch on it for a six five guy. And the thing that strikes me is that like you could you, you, watching the Joe Reed reception, that 42 yarder. I don't know what I don't know what communication situation happened. I don't know if if uh, Connor just got picked by the ref and. Uh, it whatever, but like those two plays, those are not play. Those are plays that Tech makes in this rivalry, right? Like if you think about the 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 streak and everything, like in these tight when the games have been tight, Tech has always had a couple of these types of plays, right? Whether it's a turnover or um, you know one mistake that they make somebody um, really pay for, and this time it was UVA. I mean, between those two plays, I, I don't think that UVA could reasonably win the game without them i mean and i i think that that it would be yeah. silly to argue you know the the inverse i but as great as it was crazy about the the handback touchdown and to dave's point about like all of the different angles and the way that the stadium like you can see that every camera moves you know like it the the, the sound that emanated from scott stadium like everybody who left this game horse or was horse for days like that's why, like that play. Not to say that they folks didn't scream their heads off the whole rest of the game, but that play, that release. You know, like Dave talked about on the other podcast, which I'm supposed to give him crap for because um, it didn't sound right. Um, but sweet release, yes, yeah, sweet release. <laughs> um, but like that, that moment, man. Like 
it, it was almost like in the in in this in terms of the game. Yeah, it it definitely ended the threat, so to speak. Even though Ferber was like, I don't know why everybody's celebrating. It's not over yet. Um, well, my thing wasn't necessarily that Tech was going to win the game or anything. It was just like they could easily score quickly, and and then you have to sit through an onside kick after you think right. you already won. Right. And it's like if they get that back, then they need twenty yards to kick a field goal. Right. And <laughs> but so, then once they had like the ten second runoff and like all that, then it was definitely yeah. Over. Who called that ten second runoff for the record? Who was that? Was it was that you? Oh, that was me. That's right. But I've never heard. I've never. I've I never that seen too. that. Well, I've never. Well, seen you that weren't penalty. in the press box, so yeah. yeah. Well, I've never seen that called like that entire. And I believe actually, you know what's weird? Tech had a ten second runoff to end both halves, which is like very. Yeah, I mean, that was like what that long false start deliberation was about was whether Tech was going to take it or not. But I was really impressed the refs saw that because I saw obviously we're at the other end and I saw him fumble the snap yeah. and throw it down. I was like, oh my god, that's intentional grounding. Well, I mean, from where we were sitting, time. I thought that he. I was like, what the hell is he doing? Because I was like, I thought that he was like emphatically spiking it, and I was like, dude, you need to go a lot quicker than that. <laughs> I thought he like, I thought he like wound up and spiked it, and yeah. I was like, what is he doing? But I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, by that point, it, that really actually, I mean, I don't think that was a difference in the game or anything. But if you think about it. I mean that it, it was twenty five seconds, then down to fifteen, and then he didn't realize the clock was going to start, and then it ran to like six, you know. Yeah. So then it was say, definitely over. They were, yeah, you know, as much as we're saying Virginia went out and got it, there were so many like close plays in that game, which kind of evened out. Like yeah. the, I think Blunt was an interception. I'm not sure. Yeah, Dubois was his left foot, his back foot was maybe down when he caught it. So I've seen, I've seen a different angle. Like I saw it like on TV or Instagram or something last couple of days that I think it actually, I thought it was definitely not a catch. And I definitely think it was now. I think his back foot was down. Um, yeah. I mean, it was close, but I don't and know. Then, I mean, that was one where I think if they had called it incomplete, it would have stood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then the other one was, uh, was the kickoff after we, um, took the 33, 30 lead. Yeah. Like, yeah. I thought Guy falls down. I thought before I watched it that we had to we had gotten a fifteen yard penalty, but we didn't. Like we kicked from the same spot. So just for some reason we decided to pooch it and Yeah, that was the like, thing. I have the no game. idea what happened on that penalty. Like there was because a flag they called the it the second we scored. So it had to be a sideline warning. We already had was, a sideline warning. Yeah, it was a, a it was a it was an unsportsmanlike conduct. Because I saw the ref like talk to the other ref and tell him what happened because you see like he throws it as guys are like running on the field. Um, it was never enforced. And it was earned. I mean like they definitely deserved the penalty. Um but I mean they had like fifty guys on yeah, the Yeah they field. got their money's worth. Um yeah. but I mean it was one of those things where I maybe I mean the only thing I could think was maybe tech declined it. And it was like, you know, they just were like, nah, we don't want to take it because they thought that UVA was going to try to, like, do something weird or something. Mm -hmm. um, because obviously they came out and kneeled. So maybe oh. Tech thought something was up with that. For the record, um, also, if I, since I'm going to be giving myself kudos on the show, <laughs> I also immediately, as he took a knee, and Ferber's like, why would you do that? And I'm like, because well, your point, brother. <laughs> you don't give them the chance to tie it. And you were like, yeah. huh. Like, yeah, I, I was. I, it never really occurred to me. Well, also there was just chaos going on on the field. Like it was just you, you couldn't you keep track the of the only one who didn't understand. And the and the refs didn't exactly do a very good job of sort well, of. Well, like, my my you know. original thought was like, did they just call him like fumble down on the one or something, and like UVA is just gonna like run the clock out or something? It yeah, because you you initially thought that they took a knee because they thought that, that it was a uh, um 
I was like, did they not realize it was a two-point yeah. conversion and not like they had the ball? Yeah, well, I mean, we've right. seen that before where UVA almost screwed well, up. Well, the clock uh, was running too, so it really, yeah, I could see why. Yeah, the clock was running. It was just very strange. And then also it reminded me of the, the game last year against Miami where it was like people didn't understand that Bronco could just take the penalty oh my God. to no, no, end no, the wait. game. And not, they were no, like no, about people, to run the people, play again. No, and stop. it was like, what is going on? Stop. People understood that. There were some folks who didn't. But we all, yeah. the rest of us, we understood. All right. Yeah, we, I think, the well, the refs didn't get it. That's true. Because they, they didn't give him the opportunity. They're like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> um, yeah. All right. One last thing on the tech game before we move forward. Um, I There's been a lot of discussion about where this ranks. And I feel, and I, I mean, the, the podcast we did at St. Mark's is like in a, in a blur in my brain. So if, if this is rehash, whatever. It's days later. Maybe we can change our mind. Uh, I, I do want to talk about in terms of the context of biggest wins and and I know that this is a tough conversation to have because one, everybody has different memories, um, you know, different ages, different, you know, sort of eras and that kind of thing. I think we should answer the question as best we can, understanding that we're biased. There is a recency bias in terms of our, you know, existence on this earth, right? Um, to me, it's hard for me to think of a game that was bigger, in part because of what this game has the potential to provide. Now UVA can go out Saturday night and get beat by 90, right? And the in-state recruiting doesn't really turn around and Tech comes back next year and wins the cup again and and it was kind of a flash in the pan, right? But right now it's like Schrodinger's Commonwealth Cup, right? Like anything right now is possible in terms of what this could mean for the program. So I kind of want to form I want to offer that question to you guys in that fashion which is at least as of now given that we don't know the next chapter, right? How how big is this win, Dave? We'll start with you. Um, you know, giving me crap for my 1990 stat. Um, where does this thing rank for you? I mean, it, it's a hard question because it it matters what happens after. Like you know, this it'll definitely change two or three years from now based on what happens, you know, Saturday and, and the bowl game and next season. Um, I've I've been debating this internally all week. I think it's big. I don't think it's, I mean, I don't think it's top five yet. Um, just because there are some really important games in the history of this program, which got us to the point where. So wait, you don't think it's top five now. yet? No, I mean, there's so many big wins in this program's oh history, man. Like, and there is a recency bias. You're right. So, um, I mean, 90 Clemson, 95 Florida state, even like the, the or shutting the orange bowl down with the big shutout was a huge game. Cause we never won in the state of Florida. Um, winning it at Florida State in 2011. Like those games didn't feel like they don't look like much now, but at the time they were huge, right? Um, for uh, Penn's winning at Penn State in '89 when they were really highly ranked in Virginia, you know, was trying to get Sean Moore and Herman Moore's team rolling. All those games are big. Um, even in the Bronco era, like it's hard to think how they are where they are now if there weren't wins like at Boise State and the bowl game last year to get the momentum going. All those games are big. Um, so where it ultimately ranks depends on the next chapter. So right now, like from a recency bias, it's one of the most fun games I can remember. I would put it number three on my, if you tell me it leads to something good, I would put it probably at number three. Tell me it leads to something good. But I do think it affects it because if you'd asked us like the day after the Florida State win in 2011, we'd be like, that's one of the biggest wins of the program. Look where we are now, right? But it never amounted to much. So, um, it right now it's a very big way probably number three on my list it could fall depending on what happens later but 
um, for my personal sanity, it's probably <laughs> number one. Well, that's kind of the argument I'm going to, I'm going to lay out in a second. Ferber, what about you? Yeah. I mean, it's the, um, Vegas is such a weird way to put it. Uh, I would say it's the most important win that UVA has gotten that I've seen. Um, I mean, I don't really remember the 95 game. I mean, I kind of grew up in an era where it was very fresh and it was talked about all the time. And I've seen the highlights, but that game means very little to me. Um, It's cool, but like, and you know, you hear stories about it all the time, but like, I mean, did it was cool? Like in the moment, like Dave nailed it. I mean, in the moment, it was huge, and it still gets talked about. But I think some of these games, like that, that 2003 win over Virginia Tech, seemed like a pretty big deal at the time because they were on a losing streak to Tech. Then it was just a shorter one, and you know, it seemed like Grow really had things working those those two years, 02 and 03, um, and they had some momentum. Whereas maybe Tech was kind of coming down off of being in the national championship game and. A lot of people thought that they were going to be not as good when they joined the ACC because the schedule would be harder and so on and so forth. Um, But really, I mean, the only reason we talk about that game anymore is because it was before Friday, the last time UVA had won that game. So, I mean, that game really didn't mean that much. It was just the last one that they had won. Um, I think the fact that it's tied in with winning the Coastal um, and going to the ACC championship game for the first time I think that makes it the most important win that I've seen because, I mean, they've won. I mean, they beat a top five Florida State team a few years ago, or I guess a few years ago. That was 2005. Um, But that, I mean, really, that was cool for a night, but that didn't mean anything. Like, and Florida State probably wasn't even that good that year. I don't even remember. Um, But, like, I think this one's really important because it gives you an opportunity to further demonstrate where you are, whereas – you know, some of these other wins under Bronco were, were cool and, and, and definitely helpful for the for the program, but they weren't really a statement. Um, beating that, you know, pretty average Miami team last year, like that was that was big because it was the first time they'd beaten a ranked team, I think, and, and it kind of gave them some momentum in the ACC. But this one, you can make a case at this point right now as we sit here that UVA is leveling with Tech. I would say leveling just because Tech has a 27-year bowl streak, so – I mean, if you look at the very, very recent, I mean, they're passing them. But I'm not naive enough to think that they're quite there yet um, with one win. But, I mean, you look at the record over the last three years, I think they have the exact same record now. Um, and and there's a, Tech's going to be pretty good next year, but you have an opportunity to, to continue to be good. And I think this week, that win, and, and people complained about the Friday noon kickoff, including me, but... It was clear to me from seeing the reaction on Friday and Saturday that a lot of people saw that game that would not have seen it if it had been buried on Saturday. Um, and that was good. I think that was a good thing for the program that people were watching. It was the highest rated game of the day, I believe, on Saturday or on Friday. Um, so it gives you an opportunity to build going forward. But like Dave said, I mean, we won't probably know exactly how big of a win it was until three, four years from now. And we can see if they, if they cashed in. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously... The streak being added to it, I think, makes it the biggest win that that I've seen. That's kind of where my mind is. It's if it was just the streak, or if it was just for the coastal, maybe I could understand putting other. But like, like if they had beaten Tech last year, it wouldn't have been as important. Like, like, like I mean, it would have been it would have been great to break the streak, but I mean, they would have been eight and four instead of seven and five. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, like ninety five, right? So if they had if they had beaten Florida State, and or excuse me, if they hadn't beaten Florida State, maybe they don't end up, you know tied but I mean they've only had they've only they've never played for the conference championship obviously 
since this has been a thing. And then they've only tied, they've never won the thing outright, right? So, that, so if nothing else, that game gave them the opportunity to, to play for the conference championship. Again, they're playing the, the damn Death Star, right? Um, and I get it. But, like, for me, the streak in and of itself, that it is, that it was 15 years, right? Like, I can't even imagine what that pressure was like. And just, the, the run-up to the game and talking to different UVA fans who were either, you know, not going to be there, going to be there, talking to fans, like, I don't think we can quantify it, even though we all lived through it, right? Like, I just don't know. that That's, it, it's it's really difficult to, to make apples to apples, right? But the fact that it was for the Coastal, it, it like I said, it's like Schrodinger's Commonwealth Cup. Like, because right now anything is possible hereafter, Right, they could go Saturday night and lose by eighty. They could go Saturday night and win the damn thing. Um, if they win Saturday night and beat Clemson to win the ACC championship, I'm guessing that would be the biggest game, right? So, like, yes. So this thing would would have a shelf life of approximately eight days. But my point, my bigger yeah. point though, is if they that, beat like, Clemson, that's like a completely different thing, right? So, like, my my bigger point though is that, like. I understand what you're saying, Dave. Like, that, like without knowing what the next chapter is, it's it's hard to say. But like, even if the idea that like they beat Florida State in '95, they were the first team to do it. That that isn't somehow nullified just because they they didn't win the conference that year. You know what I mean? Like, it it, it, it it's a huge deal, even if that's all it was, right? No, that's why it's still number two on my list, even. And so that like, that's kind of my know, point. Yeah, and like exactly. with this, is that like, yeah, we we need to see what the next chapter is, and but. Like, it was the biggest albatross around the program's neck. In-state recruiting, um, donations from alums, attendance at games. It was the most pro high-profile win that was going to move the needle. Yeah, if I'm it, really interested to see how it does now. Like, because yeah. everybody, I, I was telling Dave the other day, like, for years we've heard people like, yeah, it's cool that they're winning more now, but they need to beat Tech to really win me back, or they need to win the Coastal, or, or usually it was just beat Tech. Um, they did it. So, like, are those people coming back, or was that just lip service? Like, I, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what it's like next year. Um, I guess we should we should transfer over to the um, <laughs> the actual game. I feel like, you know, what we could do, we could have, like, a series of podcasts where we just relive the Tech win this summer. And people would absolutely listen to it. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so Clemson is um, yeah, Clemson's pretty good, I guess. Um, they're twelve and zero on the season. They've won twenty seven in a row. Um, they've got the best conference, the conference's best offense, the conference's best defense. If you have not read Ferber's preview, uh, I don't want to say it's grim, but it's kind of grim. Um, the numbers are pretty stark. I mean, there's just no way to kind of talk about this game without sort of. Uh, addressing that elephant in the room which is like they really are like the, the evil empire you know what i mean like i mean not saying like evil in in this sense of like they're unlikable or they're, you know whatever whatever but just in terms of just their absolute raw power i mean everywhere on that roster is talent they got experience their youth is even like experience now like you're not going to find a lot of holes and they are kids who have been winning a lot and if UVA were is to you know goes down to Charlotte and somehow manages to pull off an upset, um, it would it's obviously going to take a lot of Clemson mistakes. Um, I don't think that any of that is is shade at, at UVA's kids. It's just a, a recognition of where Clemson is right now. 
Dave, let's start with you. What do you think the biggest matchup is in this game? Like, um, um, is it is, like what's the what's the the most important thing for Virginia to do to win to you is other than get lucky as hell? Um, you know, whether it's like you know school, you know muff punts or you know interceptions or you know missed tackles or dudes fall down in coverage, whatever. But like, what's the biggest the like the 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 place where you feel like Virginia has to excel in order to win this game. Um, protecting the ball. Like, I mean, you Clemson's going to be hard to stop period. Um, so you're going to have to, you're going to have to match them. Um, you've got to win the turnover battle. Like I, I know it sounds like a cop out answer, but I mean, I'm going to guess Virginia probably needs to be plus three or so in this game. I was thinking for plus it to be two, a realistic, yeah. yeah, for it to be realistic. So there, it's going to be impossible to get there. If you turn the ball over most likely, um, it's just going to, you know, that's the n- number one thing, but I, I will say like, not trying to like, you, you just got to play within yourself. Like you're going to have to, I mean, I think the strategy for Virginia is going to be, it's going to have to be to allow Clemson yards between the twenties. Um, Cause I don't know how you can defend them. Like, you know, if they want to pick up seven or eight yards on a pass on first down and you can tackle them and make them run again, I think, make them run another play. I think that's what you have to do until you get to the red zone where all of a sudden they can't take the top off of you because they only got 30 yards to, to play with. Cause I mean, I think that's the only way you can kind of negate their athleticism given the injuries we have in the backfield. So um, it's going to be, I don't know that we've seen, I mean, even going back in my years, like there were some, some really good teams Virginia played back in the day, but this may be the most complete team Virginia's ever played. Herbert, we're in a super rare situation where the preview has already run before we've recorded the podcast. I don't think we've ever done that before for football. Um, haven't had a real reason to. Um, well, we also just don't record late in the week very often. Yeah, that's that's true. But in terms of, like, you, you sort of make the case in the preview that essentially, like, everywhere you turn <laughs> with this team, there's a potential negative, right? Like, okay, you, you want to be, you know, they, they're giving up 10 points a game. They're scoring 40. Like, Good good luck finding some wiggle room. You know, they create turnovers. They don't turn the ball over, at least, you know, since Trevor Lawrence got over his yips earlier in the season. You know, they, they have not been close with anybody they played since September. Um, they are like a well-oiled machine right now. What, what do you – if you had to pick one thing that Virginia has to excel at to win this game, what would you say it is? Yeah, I mean, Dave kind of hit the the obvious one to me is turnovers because in any game they have the ability to kind of flip things. Um, points off turnovers as well. You can't just force them. You have to turn them into points. Um, and, and you probably can't turn the ball over at all. Um, maybe once and, and try not to give up any points off of it. But, yeah, I mean, it, this team is, is the most complete team, the best team that I have ever written about, like by far. It is not close. Um, I tried to find a weakness. <laughs> there isn't one. <laughs> they, I mean, uh, it's ridiculous. Like, I mean, they're as good. I mean, you know, like, oh, yeah, they're beating the crap out of everybody. But, like, you go and look, and you're like, oh, they won by 50. They won by 49. They won by 50. They won by 45. Like, it's every – they're just killing everybody. Um, and it's not just, like, uh, like that Oregon team UVA played, it, like, in 2013, the Mariota team. Like, they come to Charlotte, so they have a dominant offense. But it's like, yeah, you can probably score on them, though. Nope, not this team. They score 45 a game, and they give up 10. It's ridiculous. Um, the only thing close is the USC team, right? 
Yeah, I mean that's that's probably I didn't. Yeah, I mean that was before I was doing anything like. Right, but no, no, I didn't. I don't research. I, but I'm just but talking, yeah. I'm just thinking like in terms of just absolute, just you know, of modern Alan, times. I'm not yeah. talking about like. I mean, we can't compare like, you know, some juggernaut from, like, from 1918. You know, or something. but yeah. like, but like in terms of just talent on both sides of the ball. You know, everybody kind of understands their role. You know, schemes that are just working well. Yeah. You know, you will you look at this Clemson team, dude, and it's like. It's like they got they got they got everything figured out. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not just. I mean, that USC team was like amazing, but they hadn't played anybody yet, so it was like we didn't really have Clemson. I got twelve games to look at, and I feel worse. <laughs> like I'm not seeing a lot of I'm not seeing a lot of holes there. Um, but I mean, I, I honestly think the recipe is the turnover battle, and then as I wrote in the preview, shorten the game. Uh, find a way to just absolutely dominate time of possession. Um, Which is good because that's kind of Virginia's calling card, right? It's not like they have to go in there and be like, oh, we got to figure out a way to, right. you know. To- it's, it's not something, I mean, UVA is like top 10 in time of possession. I forget what the exact number is. I think it's like sixth. Um, and, you know, the teams in front of them are mostly triple option teams, which is kind of crazy because UVA can't really run the ball that well. Um, but their short passing game is kind of moving the chains, and they're just going to have to be able to do that, which, I mean, you have to protect Bryce to be able to get the ball out quick, and you're going to have to have guys be able to get open quickly. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the recipe. I mean, I kind of i am reminded of Army last year, you know, almost beat Oklahoma, who was a playoff team, going in there. By, they held the ball for like three quarters, um, and and that's what happened. I mean, Oklahoma's offense wasn't on the field because they, you know, they were on defense the whole game, and and it wasn't enough to win, but it was enough to get them into. I think they lost in overtime, so it's kind of like that's how you negate the talent gap. Um, I just I don't. I went back and looked at that North Carolina game to try to figure out. I was like, maybe they held the ball the whole game or something because it was twenty-one to twenty. Not really. I mean, they did win the time of possession battle, but really Clemson's passing game just wasn't clicking uh, at the beginning part of the season like it is now. And and Trevor Lawrence, I think, had like five or six picks in his first three or four games. And since, I mean, he hasn't thrown one in the last five or six. He's had like 16 touchdowns during that time. So I think you're just going to have to – you have to play your A game and they have to play at least a C game to even have a chance. If they play their A game, it's not going to be close no matter what UVA does. The thing that I'm most blown away by – and I, I admit that I haven't watched. I'm not watching every game, but the what I have seen is like, like there's a difference between like we always think of like like I think we maybe even talked about it on the podcast, right? The idea that like when you play tech, you can't really go east west; you have to go north south because their their speed on the edges is 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 going to shut you down. Like Clemson has speed everywhere. Like I I almost wonder if their offensive linemen, you know, like ran ran like they would be fast too. Like. And I don't, I don't know how that's going to translate. I was thinking about when Ferb was talking about like the short passing game. I, I worry that like a lot of the stuff that typically just kind of works, you know, mainly because teams are just sort of um, not necessarily, you know, allowing Virginia to do that. But it's kind of yeah. one of those things where like, you know, how are you going to take away, you know, this little thing? I think Clemson's good enough to take to take everything away. Right. And so you it's have like to, you reach a tipping point where right. it's like everything stops working once you reach a certain level of talent. Right. And listen, I'm not trying to, if you're listening to the show trying to get excited about your team and the like we're not trying to, you know, it's it, we're not trying to be harsh. We're just trying to be reasonable. And it's not reasonable to think that Virginia's going to go into this thing and win. Now, I I think that there's a way in in talking about time of possession and talking about what, like one of the things that does benefit UVA here is that part of what they already do, right. Is something that you have to do, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to play clean. You're going to have to be a monster on third down, which this defense does not allow. 
um, you're going to have to shut down the run in a way that nobody has against this team, right? Um, and and you got to do it on short rest after an exceptionally emotional game. Like, the, the cards are really stacked against you. Because even in a situation like this, to, and Ferber made this point in the preview, like, Clemson comes into this game with everything to play for, right? It's not even like, I mean, they probably would be yeah. in the playoff even if they lost, right? This isn't a situation where it's like uh, Clemson won't care, right? Like, exactly. There's no. They're going to come in to kick ass, like, like they do they, every yeah, they other. They want week. to lay you. They want to lay the smackdown on you and get on to the to the big stuff, um, especially enemy. And look, credit to Dabo. Like Dabo has turned a, a team that's won 27 games in a row to make them feel like they are like an underdog. And I'm. I mean, listen again. Credit to him. Michael Jordan did the same thing. He talked himself into you know some disrespect and it, it fueled him. Uh, Dabo is is doing it and doing it well right now. Um, he, you know, from the outside, it's kind of laughable, but in terms of you know where he what he's saying, it's resonating with his kids. And I, I think you, if and you're I Virginia, think that's what he's doing. He's just yeah, for to, sure. He's just trying to get them fired up. Well, for sure. And I and I also think too, I think Dabo understands. He's been around this. Um, you know, this ain't his first rodeo. He understands that part of this is political. He's got a he's got to stoke those fires, and credit to him um, for doing that. I think for Virginia, you got to understand that. You might be the underdog, but they are they, the target is still on you. Like they want to go through you, so physicality, you know, taking care of the football. Like there's a lot of things that are going to have to go right, and if those things go right, and Virginia's in a position to win it, that in of itself is a massive accomplishment. And I know people hate moral victories, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being realistic, right? You have never been to the conference championship game. You're playing a team that has won 27 games in a row, is the defending national champion. You know, think about how many big situations they've been in. If Virginia's able to go in there and stand toe-to-toe in that ring, I mean, we can talk about the Tech game all we want, but that would be a massive boost to this program in ways that, I mean, hell, we I don't think we could even really kind of, you know, really put together. Um, imagine Bronco being able to go into some kid's living room and say, listen, we stood toe-to-toe with the best program in America, and and we almost got it done. If we had more guys like you, we would have. Like, that's a hell of a pitch, uh, but sometimes you got to put some stuff together on the field in order to make it real. Um, Dave, you've been especially quiet these last few minutes. What um, what you stewing about over there? Um, I don't know if I'm stewing. I mean, look, I, they're beatable because they're, they're just a bunch of. Oh, well, they're humans. You know, they're, yeah. they're still college athletes, right? They're not the watchmen. Um, I mean. Bronco's just, gonna go out there and measure like, the goalposts or whatever, and be yeah, like, "The yeah. goalposts <laughs> the same size." It's like, coach, that analogy doesn't really work for basketball or for football, but okay. <laughs> I mean, and this team has had some success in that stadium, so I'm sure he's going to draw on that a little bit. Um, the thing that gets me, Brett, you said they're going to make the playoffs. If they lose, they won't. Like, they no, got to win this game to make no, playoffs. Yeah, they have to win. Well, I, um, the reason I say that though is even if they lost, right? They, think about what have to happen around them. Like I understand where you're coming from, but like, <laughs> much. I mean, but like, I mean, I think if they lose, it's gonna like Georgia will probably make it. Yeah, they're, nothing, they're nothing, up. nothing has to happen. If they lose, they're not going. Yeah, All right. their schedule saying. sucks. No, I'm not disagreeing with the schedule part. I'm saying that like. All right. Well, we don't need to. No, have, we don't no. need to have that conversation. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm saying. I'm saying if they lose, they're not making it because they lost to the only ranked team they played all year. Um, so they're not making. So they're going to come out with. They come out in this game every year, like balls to the wall if you will um also so, the one seat this year is like crucially important so like if they're if you know like lsu slips up or something you 
you need to be in a position to take advantage of that. Like, yeah, and I don't make you know for some teams, I would say that's an advantage to the underdog. But for Clemson, this is old hat for them. They do this every year. They put on the the championship riches and get it done. So, um, it's going to be it's a very tall mountain to climb. And I mean, my biggest concern with with Virginia is that as you know, we just got the monkey off our back. So the season, in my book, cannot have a bad ending now. Um, you know, even if they lose the next two games, they won nine and they beat Tech. We would all signed up for that at the beginning of the season, and and ran away happy. Um, the biggest concern for me is in the game against Tech, like you know, Bryce Perkins was 90% of our offense, essentially. And Clemson got some dudes that, like Isaiah Simmons, I'm guessing he's just going to be man-on-man with Perkins on Saturday. I mean, um, so it's going to be interesting. Perkins, I think, is going to have to pass the ball. They're not going to let him run. Um, if he runs, it's going to have to be out of scramble situation. So it's going to, like, I've, the guy's done some stuff. Like, it wouldn't shock me to see him make some plays because, like, you know, these guys have prod, too. Um, I am interested to see what Bronco and the staff can dial up scheme-wise to kind of confuse Trevor a little bit. You're not going to confuse him the whole game because the guy's a gifted quarterback, um, and he's got weapons that are going to they're going to get open. But if they can confuse him enough to force a couple turnovers and then make the game interesting, I think if you can get in the second half and the game's tight, then the pre- then the the advantage starts to shift a little bit. So I don't want to say it's without opportunity. It's just going to take. No, you can't have mistakes. You're going to have to play sound football. Um, and honestly, as a Virginia fan, you, like I said, like you're going to have to give them yards in order to not give up the explosive play. Um, and it might be frustrating at times as they're taking eight to ten yards at a chunk. But I'm telling you, like it's much easier to defend those guys inside the 20 because they're not going to be able to run two dudes down the field on you. Um, so it's going to be a frustrating night. But I'm glad it's 7.30, so I'll be able to tailgate all day long. Um, <laughs> keep drinking during the game, so I'm looking forward to the experience. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I still can't quite believe we're there. I think that's what fans need to remember during this process is that this this particular championship game, like obviously, like Bronco, they, they've been working all week preparing to go do the best they can and try to win this game. And I think it's an opportunity to kind of like show what you can do on a huge stage. Like, I mean, even if it's not a win, I mean, you can kind of, like, prove what you're worth in a in a game where it's like, oh, wow, they got a pick six, or oh, like, they, you know, they made Trevor Lawrence look human for a while. Like, Broncos really got some good things going on that defense. Like, you know, he's Bryce Perkins can really play. Maybe UVA can develop quarterbacks, whatever. It gives you a chance to show what you can do, but also for the fans, this is a reward for the season. Like, I mean, for this particular year. I mean, if it was a different opponent, like, if it was a 10-2 and two Clemson, I'd be like, alright, you can go win this thing. But for this game, it's like this is a reward for all the work that they put in, and it's an opportunity to kind of like celebrate the fact that a program that couldn't even get to a bowl game a few years ago is now ranked in the college football playoff rankings, probably headed to a New Year's Six Bowl, and is playing you know a team that's won 27 straight on championship weekend, a weekend that UVA never gets to play. Um, it's kind of like, uh, do you guys remember the 98 Peach Bowl when they lost on the field goal at the end or whatever it was? um against georgia yeah (laughs) yeah so that was one of the first times as a kid that i was like crushed by a uva loss um because it was a close it was just a great game right um and i don't remember every detail but i remember watching it it was like new year's eve 
And one of my family friends who's a Virginia fan was like, it's okay. Bowl games are really just like a reward for all the work you did all season. And it's just like, you know, for the players to go out and, and, you know, do the best. But at the end of the day, it's not everything. And I've kind of always looked at it that way. And that's how I kind of feel about the win-loss result in this game. It's more about, like, uh, you know, like five years from now, it's like, hey, a few years ago they played in the championship game if they can't get back, you know. It's like th- that's something to hang your hat on right there. So don't get yeah, too frustrated if they get blown out. I mean, it's it's yeah, the expected I mean, result. Yeah, look at Clemson, like, the last two years, I think they won, what, like 38-3 to last year or 42-10. to and then thirty-eight to three the year before, like they've they've tens the most they've good up the last two years. And you're talking about a pit team that we saw last year that was super physical. Um, and, Clemson and they gave up an eighty-yard touchdown on the first play of the game. Yeah, forty-two to ten <laughs> is what they beat Pittsburgh by last year. And then that ten and two seventh-ranked Miami team they beat thirty-eight to three um, in the same game. So I mean, Tech was the last team, last team to give them a game in this um, Carolina the year before. But the last two years, they've been absolutely dominant. So it's not no shame in it. Um, I think it's just a, you know it's it's going to be a, you know we've seen it all week with the talk about it and all day you know all night Saturday it's 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 an infomercial for your school. So um, it, it, there's really no way to come out of this poorly, um, short of you know losing like ninety to nothing. Yeah, and I, I mean, UVA fans will hate this analogy, but I almost look at it, and, and obviously I don't want to equate the two things because UVA football is a, a big enough program, but it's almost like a, a lower-seeded automatic bid NCAA tournament team playing against Duke or somebody like that. It's like the reward, it's like it, the, it, the, the fact that you're there and you get to play it is actually like what you're there for. It's like the, the opportunity to see your team play on championship weekend is... is um is something that we've never seen. And, and, and I mean, obviously, we know how crazy the Coastal is. We might not see it again next year. So, I mean, you kind of have to enjoy it and realize, like, how many teams are even playing this weekend? Like, eight? I mean, it's, it's just you're, you're in rare air. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's do a quick prediction, um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about um, hoops for, for a few minutes. Um, we didn't pick this in the preseason. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask, what did I have in the preseason? Because that would have been presumptuous. Um, I think Ferber. Well, you had you had UVA on the doorstep of the playoff at eleven and one. Yeah, that's true. They would literally be ranked like number five right now if they were eleven and one. Yeah, this would be a huge game tomorrow. I mean, I had them at I had them at ten and uh, ten and two. Ten and two. Seven and one. Um, but where'd you have them for rating four? He had nine and three. Nine and three. Um, and my whole my whole bit was like, I don't know what games they're going to lose, but they're going to be nine and three. <laughs> but now they're going to be nine and four. So I mean, I guess I'm not really right. So in the preview, Ferber, you had it forty. What did you have at forty? Forty-eight, fourteen. Forty-eight, fourteen. It's hard for me to pick a game with that many points. Um, so I'm going to go forty-one, twenty-one. Um, That's more points. No, it's not. Is it not? It's, it's the same total. But. Yeah, it's literally the no, same amount about, of points. No, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean the differential. Oh, gotcha. All right, you got them. You got them. You've got Clemson covering. Okay. <laughs> uh, how many games have they covered recently? I'm not. I'm, no, 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 no. I'm not saying. I'm saying that like 29 is a lot of points, right? And I'm not saying that you're wrong. To t- I'm just saying it's a lot of points. I think three touchdowns feels about right somewhere in between that's, and that's that's know. a fair i mean that's completely possible what about you dave we're, we're gonna we're gonna assume ferber just picks what he what he put in the preview i mean 
look, I'm n- never going to question this staff's ability to come up with a defensive scheme that at least produces a little bit of a um, <laughs> little bit of uh, extra work for the offense they're playing. So I, I don't, I think we'll keep keep Clemson from scoring forty. I've got it thirty-eight to seventeen. My guess is it'll be like thirty-eight to ten, and Clemson will start pulling their starters. And we have history to show that Bryce Perkins will probably take every snap, and we know this team will continue to play. So <laughs> right. I think we maybe score late. And make this it is a game where if they want to have Bryce take every snap, that's completely fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but we've seen it before. Like it kind of reminds me of the Oregon game, right? Um, yeah, they're going to keep playing until the end. So uh, I'll, I'll say thirty-eight to seventeen, which looks a lot better on paper. It was probably not that close. Yeah, yeah. Um, one I, thing I, I am interested to see how Clemson does in this cold weather because it's going to be cold. One thing I did Here's notice when I was doing this was that UVA has like since in the Bryce Perkins era has like very very rarely been down more than like two scores, like very rarely, like once against yeah, Notre Dame. I think right. I think yeah, NC I think State it. last year, but I mean like that, that was, was it. And maybe the actually yeah the beginning of the Tech game last year, but like literally that was fourteen. I mean like. Very like they have not been blown out really once, unless you count the Notre Dame game, which kind of got out of hand. But they only lost by two scores. Um, what about NC State last year? Yeah, and that was another one. What was it like, thirty-five twenty-one? And then like, it got yeah, it got. It a wasn't. Bit I mean, like boat race, like like my predictions. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Speaking of uh, getting blown out, um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to say that we all saw it coming. But we all talked about the offense, and we talked about issues that Virginia basketball was going to have this season in terms of um, balancing out a great defense with a question mark on offense. And last night's game was kind of the perfect storm for me in the sense that you ran up against a team that basically does, in a lot of ways, what you do, right? Physical, wants to muddy the lane, you know, makes everything hard for you offensively. And the only the only good shot you were going to find all night was from deep, and you can't shoot from deep. Um, and then at the same time, your defense was just nowhere near what it needed to be. Um, and I don't know which one of those problems caused the other, or if they were basically both um, created at the same you know the same launch point. But realistically, like I, I have a feeling maybe they're not twenty nine point losses, but I have a feeling the Cavaliers have a handful of these in them this season, in the sense that. They'll run up against a good team defensively who makes some shots, and they're just not sure what to do. I'm going to turn this over to Ferber because I think he has the best kind of succinct and consistent um, methodology or thought process here, which basically comes down to um, the thing that has always been good about Virginia basketball, which is their defense keeps them in games. Now they're in a position where their offense is going to keep everybody in every game, regardless of how good the defense is. But anyway, Ferber – Tell the people, do you think? Yeah, I mean, you you pretty much nailed it. I think, I think UVA will win plenty of games on the defensive end, and they've done that in previous years where like they've had games where the offense, even with talented players, just hasn't really been working, and they've they've been able to overcome it with you know defense that is not just good but elite, elite, elite good. And I think last night, I would like to. I mean, I don't want to see this happen again, but I, I would have to see them have a few more games like that where before I would get really worried. You know, Purdue shot way over their percentages from three um, for the season. They were at home. I, I mean, I know they had some different players than than what they had on the, the Elite Eight team last year, but obviously they were probably very motivated to beat UVA in this game. Um, 
so I, I don't know. I mean, I, if North Carolina comes out and lights them up, then then maybe that's a problem. But um, I think so. I think I would disregard that. But I think the offense is is what we've seen. I think they just ran into a a better team. I mean, we were what like two or three minutes into the game, and I texted you guys, and I was like, I think Purdue might just be better. Um, yeah, true. like I and I don't I don't really think that's a stretch. Like you can look at the Ken Palm numbers or anything. I'm looking at the talent on the court. Um, UVA has like you know obviously a very talented front court, but how many college basketball teams build their offenses around big men anymore? It's and it's just not just rare. that. It's that they yeah. have big men who are finesse big men. Therefore, right. you're not going to pump the ball into them and They're have not them just go like to work. Shack, yeah, exactly. People down. Like, right. You're not going to You're not going to post entry Mamadi Diakite against Harms or against the Williams kid or whoever and think he's just going to go to work. You know what I mean? Like you're going to have to move the ball around. There's going to be a lot of pick and roll. The way that Huff and, and Diakite hurt you is going to the rim. And you're not going to get that against a team like Purdue. Yeah, exactly. And I think that this is kind of how I felt since probably like the second or third game. I thought the Syracuse game was kind of an outlier at first, and now I don't really feel that way. Uh, I think that UVA can improve on offense, but it's one thing to improve; it's another thing to suddenly become good. I don't think or become somebody else. Right. I don't think UVA is suddenly going to become good at offense. Like they're not going to all of a sudden be like you know draining threes left and right and and moving the ball and another thing is like you just not just the three-point shooting but you don't have the cutters that you had with kyle guy and ty jerome were elite level cutters and i just don't think you have that right now if, if anything you have guys that just don't have a ton of experience doing that right so i just i don't see it i mean i think that their defense is going to make them you know a team that wins a lot of games but and and they could still make a run in march because i've always said that you can't write a team out until the games are played because um, you know, it depends on matchups and, and shooting and a lot of other things. But um, I, I think that that's okay, though, because if you look at what, the reason that they're in this situation, they had three guys go pro early, and Tony Bennett doesn't recruit to plan for that. He just doesn't because, he, you know, that's not how it's been in the past. So yeah. this is a new experience, and I think they'll learn from it, and I think next year the offense is going to be really good. But this year you're going to have to fight through some some slogs and – some tough ones, but I, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, we, we know they have one of the best coaches in the country and they're going to figure out something, but it is what it is at this point. I don't think there's like a magic wand. I have a feeling, and Dave, I'm going to get to you in a second, the, that this is going to be a lot like a, the letter M, right? So you got a, you got a, you got a peak, you get that, well, you get the, the valley of UMBC and the peak of the title, and you're going to have some sort of low here, and then they'll go back up because this team next year, like what they will have between the Hauser and the kids coming in, and they still have one scholarship left that they can use in the, for the spring sign up period. Like it will fix literally everything that ails them because I'm telling you what Jabri Abdul Rahim is a walking bucket. Like there are so many times last night where they just were kind of like looking around, like if they just needed some dude to go get a bucket. Jabri is that dude. Like Carson McCorkle, he can he can stroke it. He can you know he's he's a um, a, a guy I think who. As as his career goes, he will get better, but he will be able to give him some instant offense. Like a lot, and of you have what, a senior transfer, right? Exactly, could be the best Hauser, player on the team. Hauser has like, played even to this point. He's played more basketball than anybody on this team, right? Yeah, um, and he's been better. I mean, he's he's like the best player on the team, right? <laughs> like, and that's the thing. Playing. Like, I think this is in a lot of ways, and this is the other point I wanted to make. Like, sometimes it's good to just get your ass kicked, right? Like. In a lot of ways, early in the year, like their defense was so elite that nobody was going to get close to them. And if they had a seven, nine point lead, it felt like much more like it was that cliche, but it actually did. 
you know. But they were not winning these games going. They were they were winning them kind of going away. They weren't stomping anybody when they should have been with their defense playing that well. You know, like I understand Vermont, the kid, the Lamb kid got hot, but like even like Maine, like it it was still a slog. And I understand. They I don't scored forty six points yeah, against Maine. That's what I'm saying. Like that's what I mean. Like last year, it was like okay, they don't score as much as Duke or whoever, but they were beating teams like eighty two to forty and stuff like they were like killing these bad teams. This year, it's like. They can't get to fifty against a, a three forty something Ken Palm team. And and like, the thing too is got like, problems. I, I don't want to overlook not having Braxton because I actually do believe you know he's an experienced guy, but that's also minutes that somebody else who didn't have experience would have to play. So I he's not going to walk on the floor and all of a sudden give you twenty and ten, but he would give you a, the the option and the and and to have to have something more cohesive offensively. And I think he he could have helped you out defensively last night realistically as they go forward you know we talked in the preseason for basketballies about there were going to be lots of bumps you know there were going to be bumps and people had to be ready for the bumps and I don't think everybody was ready for the bumps and I still don't think folks are ready for the bumps you know this is a team that lost three games all of last year by a total of 22 points like people are not they're not accustomed to Virginia losing I mean other than UMBC the, the, the season before it was kind of the same deal right like when you're when you're a team steeped on defense and your defense ain't home, um, you're in trouble, especially if you can't score. Now, Dave, we have monopolized these last few minutes. Um, I'm going to give you what amounts to the last word before we wrap up. All I know is you guys have been way too easy on this team. I mean, the <laughs> fact is, um, I mean, Tony Bennett had three NBA guys last year and he won. This year he doesn't and he can't. So the question is, is he good? Is he a good coach? <laughs> well, they're still uh, seven and one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good Lord. Like, look, we, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. And I think we, I can't remember if we debated it on the podcast or off the podcast. Like, who was the most, like, if there was Virginia was going to suffer an injury, who was the person, like, we couldn't afford, you know, whatever I'm, you know, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the guy you could least afford to lose. And I think we, we kind of debated. It was either Mamadi or Kihei, Kihei. Or, or Braxton. Maybe it's Braxton. Um, and, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Like he's been out the last two games. The offense has been, it wasn't like the offense was lighting it up before, but they were exactly. doing enough. Um, well, I think there's I, your problem. I think, I I think, think there's your problem though, right? is the enough, you know, yeah, like the enough was so low points against Arizona state. But like, like look, the, who's going to score? Like, yeah, we, I think we all, cause this is something, if you guys remember, like we talked about it before, if you look at guys in their first year in Tony's system, only one has ever scored over 10 points a game. So when you factor that in, like you had to rely on guys on the roster to make a big jump. You couldn't. Casey's yeah. not going to come in and score ten. Um, and you know, Tony Staff warned us. He said, 10. like you know, this team they think they can shoot, but I don't know if they can shoot. Like he said that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and and so far they can't make. To me, like the key the where how far the season goes is key getting healthy, and Casey Morsell developing a shot because those are guys who are going to be on the floor a lot. Um, Statman developing a shot will help in spurts. Um, and, and Kihei, like, I think Kihei's a better shooter than we've seen the last couple of games, but he's not a good shooter when guys don't have to leave him to cover someone else. Like, he's a, he's a spot shooter. Um, and you factor that in, like, what, it, what, it, what you saw last night where Jay had a really terrible first half. Like, you know, he, he didn't seem to have a lot of energy. He picked up two fouls and went to the bench. Um, so if he's not, like, if Jay's not really playing well, playing aggressive, that takes away that kind of, screen and roll game 
Um, and it makes you more of a blocker mover team. And when you don't have Braxton Key in a blocker mover offense with this team, you're really going to struggle. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. To, it I, is this team is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. and I, it is what it is because we won the national title. We talked about it last night in our text thread. If we had lost to Texas Tech, we'd be in the exact same situation, but feel so much worse. <laughs> That's true. Um, all right, I lied. I'm going to be lost word. Um, to me, there are some positives, right? And the one positive is that a lot of what I saw what I've seen through these through the first start of the season, you can you can almost cut the awkwardness with a knife. And what I mean by that is like dudes sometimes trying to like t- do touch passes and stuff like nobody yet has any there's no gelling, right? Like even the pieces that return They have like pickup game energy. Yes, exactly. And like nobody knows where anybody's gonna be. You know, like you could argue that Kihei's lobs to Jay Huff are like really the only thing that looks cohesive about them, right? Like, y- like you can tell like when when different passes come from one guy to the next, especially if it involves any of the new faces, like everything just looks weird. You know, there's no there is no flow. Even when the ball moves, it doesn't look normal. It doesn't look natural. And so there's a lot of this like herky jerkiness to them right now, and it's gonna take a little while to iron that out. Um, I cannot imagine, like, even if, even if they're just not that great, you put a bunch of dudes together, eventually, you know, look, Boston College would get run, but at least they would look like they, you know, had played together, right? Like, right now, there are times where, and some of these lineups, I mean, are just kind of the nature of the beast, you know? Like, last night, Kafaro's pulling, you know, first half minutes, um, and I thought he did a pretty admirable job of being, you know, Jack Salt 2.0, um, for at least a little bit of there, but it just overall the one good thing about it, it will like that cohesion will happen. Now the question is how productive will it be? And to Ferber's point, like you're not all of a sudden, you know, they're not, you know, Casey Marshall apparently loves to be shooting shots that are just, the difficulty is like just high, like, like very high. And he seems the most comfortable. Okay. Let him, let him cook. But like, I just don't think this offense is all of a sudden going to start shooting 40% from three, regardless of whether or not some of the pieces shot 40% in their previous stops. So I think that while there will be cohesion that should cut down on the turnovers. And if they cut down on the turnovers, that will be a huge step in the right direction. Because right now you, it's like we talked about before, right? You can be inefficient and not shoot well, but you can't do both. Um, and I think part of what happened last night is they turned the ball over and they, they stuck on both ends and you know, you, you're not going to win many basketball games when you can't defend, you can't shoot and you turn the ball over a lot. Like, and, and yeah, you can't be big and not rebound. Yeah. And that's, and that, and like, that's another thing too. Like, you know, this team has a lot of guys who are talented and to borrow Dave's phrase about Dr. Bob, like it just feels like a bunch of things that don't fit together yet. You know, a bunch of you know, a bunch of sentences. They're not a paragraph, and in time, they they should get there. The problem, <laughs> which ironically no longer applies to Doctor, which ironically no longer applies to Doctor Bob. They've now handed the you know, finally, I guess Ferber, you need to write an opus about Virginia's offense on on the hoop side of the street, and then yeah, uh, and they'll magically fix it within several days from said opus running on the website. Um, but yeah, I, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> That'll be your 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 job. Uh, It'll be a lot shorter. It'll be like, this <laughs> shot was missed, and this shot was missed, and this shot was missed. And look, and all these people can't shoot. Um, and Jaden Nixon and Ken Chase Coleman are a big part of the offense now. Yeah. Uh, if you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you can get programs to listen to. Uh, we're there. And if you are so inclined, give us a rating and review. Always helps to get us out in front of more people. 
if you're somebody who has found the pod but has not given us a look at the site yet, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Let's see, right now, Lord, what do I even have on the site right now? Uh, we got a lot of stuff on the ACC Championship game. As you listen to this, we'll have the Carolina preview later in the day. Um, the pro football focus grades showed, I thought, were interesting in the sense that, like, the offensive line keeps tra- trailing the right way or trending the right way. Um, and you can also uh, check out um, – there's some recruiting happenings. Virginia finally got a couple commitments in the 2021 class, so – all that stuff is on the site. Um, hit that Fanatics link as you make your Christmas purchases, holiday purchases. It doesn't have to be UVA gear, whatever, NFL, MLB, NBA, whatever. Use the link. It helps to support the site no matter what you buy, and we very much appreciate that. Lastly, I want to thank Thorian Wealth uh, for their support of the show. Um, just now realizing that I didn't do the Second String Sports ad, but you can also check them out at secondstringsports.com, second with a two. And our thanks to all of those fine people for uh, their support of the program. And I also want to thank you for giving us a listen, for dealing with the shaky audio in a parking lot uh, after the Tech game, uh, as well as sticking us with us for 334 shows, which I still blows my mind that uh, we've been doing it that long. And again, to Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate them. Uh, and we will reconvene in Charlotte. This time I will have the mic just in case Virginia wins an ACC championship. Yeah, if they win, expect a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like 10 more people on it. <laughs> for, uh, for David Spence and Justin Ferber and Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com, thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.